Throughout this episode, you'll hear occasional dynamically placed advertisements as well as host-read ads by me promoting the work of my sponsors, similar to what you'd experience when you're binging your favorite YouTube content. If you find the ads disruptive, consider joining my community on Patreon. Premium submarines receive full-length ad-free episodes, hundreds of hours of bonus content, and the ability to connect and chat with other listeners. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash backfromtheborderline. Is it even possible to think about something like PMS in a positive light? I didn't think so, but today we're going to talk about how we can understand and work with the cyclical nature of our menstrual cycle for physical and emotional well-being. If you're anything like me, you have potentially felt like the days leading up to your period have left you feeling like you were either going to die or that you were going to murder somebody else. (laughs) And maybe you're also like me in that you've tried birth control, but you've had every side effect under the sun and you found out that that isn't helping you control any of these premenstrual symptoms either. Now, since I found the concept of something called menstrual cycle awareness, the game has changed. I finally understand the energies and cyclical nature of my menstrual cycle. And my goal of today's episode is to pass on everything our mothers and their mothers maybe didn't tell us about our cycles because they don't think they understood theirs either and how we can reclaim that feminine power together. So let's get into it. You have entered back from the borderline, where we walk willingly into the darkness within our minds and return home to ourselves transformed. I'm your host, Molly. I spent most of my life numbing the pain and emptiness inside me, unaware that my self-sabotaging behaviors and thoughts were destroying my ability to connect with myself and other people. One day, I decided I was sick enough of my own bullshit to hear life calling, telling me it was time for a change, and I decided to answer that call. On this podcast, We'll learn that when we see ourselves as the hero of our own journey, it gives us the best chance at finding our inner truth and integrity. Together, we'll learn to hold complex feelings, expand our consciousness and self-awareness while making meaning of our suffering. Are you ready to find out who you are underneath the weight of everything that's been keeping you stuck? If the answer is yes, follow me down the rabbit hole of psychological and spiritual growth. I'm so glad you're here. And with that, let's dive straight in to the episode. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. It's just another nice Saturday morning for me. This is when I'm recording my episodes. It's like my weekend. Nice relaxing time. I find that Instagram is a struggle for me. That's where I feel like I have to like, oh, I need to sit down and make an Instagram post. Don't get me wrong. I love showing up on Instagram for all of you. But when I make the podcast, I genuinely love doing this. It's my favorite part of the week. And that's how I know that I found something that's truly joyful for me. It's something that I look forward to doing. And 
it just so happens to be something that so many of you get an amazing value and benefit from. So that is such a fucking win-win, my friends. So this is going to be a longer episode today, so I'm going to just jump straight into the content. I do love me a nice, long, cozy, lazy intro, but I want to jump straight into it. A couple of weeks ago, I did an episode about the most important recovery lessons I've learned so far, and I mentioned that menstrual cycle awareness, seed cycling, and a few other things I've incorporated into my life surrounding my menstrual cycle and just a heightened awareness around that has been one of the biggest parts of my recovery journey when it comes to, you know, my BP, CPTSD, and just emotional reactivity, symptomology all around, right? And I just asked in the episode, I barely touched on it. And I just said, if anybody would like me to do an episode on menstrual cycle awareness, like, please write me, email me, comment on YouTube, comment on the podcast, write a review, DM me on Instagram, etc. When I tell you I got more messages than I've ever received about this, I was blown away. So damn, you y'all want to hear about this. For those of you who don't have a menstrual cycle and you listen to the podcast, I would say maybe probably want to maybe skip this one if you don't want to hear all about periods and menstruation for a very long episode. But before you just tune out, if you've listened this far, some of you maybe just didn't even click into this episode because you're like that. I don't want to fucking listen to periods for ever and ever. But think about this. Everybody has a woman in their life. Everyone has is around people that are going through this cycle every single month. And I think it's really important that everyone is more aware of this. So if you are struggling with serious PMDD and you find value in this episode and you think that like your partner or someone in your life could develop a better awareness for what you're going through, Zaz, since I've kind of told him a little bit more about my cycle and informed him of some of this stuff, obviously he doesn't have to be an expert, but he's more aware about it. He knows, and it has created a much more peaceful environment in my home because of his heightened awareness around what I'm going through. He didn't know. So it's up to us to sort of inform the people around us, but we can't inform others if we aren't aware ourselves. And that's why I'm making this episode is because... I knew nothing about my period, really. The more I learned about it now where I'm sitting, I was like, damn, I menstruated every damn month for 31 years of my life, and yet I knew nothing about what I was going through. And this blows my mind. And I consider myself to be a pretty informed person, but this is why I found it so important to do this episode. And it's why I know so many of you reached out to me. It's because we're starved of this information. Now, you know, I love me a little bit of big sister time. So I thought it was better to kind of start this episode as I'm taking you guys behind the scenes of my podcast creation methods, I guess. I don't really have a method really, but I always like to just start off with a little bit of personal background, like how does, how has this concept affected me? Because maybe you can relate to that a little bit and everybody's different, but I had my first period pretty late. I was about, 
15, I think almost 16. So that was really late. My younger sister had her period when I think when she was like 11 or 12, I babysat a lot when I was younger. And I remember a little girl that I babysat getting her period at like 10. So everyone is so different. And now looking back, I remember I was the last one of all my friends to get my period and I I wanted it so bad. And now I look back and I'm like, bitch, you should have enjoyed those years that you didn't have your period. But I, I love and respect my cycle now. But at the time, you know, it was just so funny to think of how badly I wanted it. But it was just another thing that made me feel left out and like I was the weird one. But as I said, I was a late bloomer. But I do remember that when I first had my period, I barely remember the conversation I had with my mom about it, but I'm pretty sure I just kind of was like, so had my period. I kind of needed my mom to buy me supplies, right? And all I remember my conversation with my mom being was, and I kid you guys not, (laughs) it was like, here's a pad, like you can use pads, you can use tampons. But my mom was like, I don't use pads because I think they stink. They look like a diaper and I don't like them. Tampons are the way to go. And kind of like, here you go, figure it out, right? It was very much like I was on my own. And it was not something that was celebrated, talked about, um, none of that. It was like, just take care of it, right? Sight unseen, go away, take care of it. I'm not a fan of pads. I like tampons, go for it, tiger. And then I did, right? And The only other people I really had to talk openly about my period with were like my friends. And these were just other teenage girls who also had moms who were told to treat their periods as a shameful thing. And I come from a deeply Catholic family as well, where, you know, this was never expressly said to me, but in the Catholic religion is deeply embedded in just shame of being a woman in general, right? Um, If you go back in like Catholic history, it's... uh, not pretty when it comes to the whole Eve thing, you know, shame for being a woman. We are the lesser sex, all that fun stuff. So regardless, my family, of course, didn't preach any of that stuff to me, but this is the message my mother, her mother, everyone, everyone's mother's 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 mother received. Not only that, when we grow up and you're with guys, right? Like men are historically really disgusted, like, ew, gross. Menstrual blood is taught about, like taught to us as something that's like disgusting, So here we are only really having a very little understanding of what our period is. And it's just kind of like, take care of it. Then on another side of that, it's something that we feel like we just need to get through. We're in such a productive society that our period makes us slow down and get grouchy and we can't be as productive. And so we think of our periods as something that's disgusting, that we don't know much about, and then we just want it to be over right? (laughs) I mean, if you can relate to that, that's how I have approached my period my entire life. So I had a journey. I certainly have been on about every single form of birth control known to man. I have been on the contraceptive pill to try to help with my PMS symptoms. I was told it would help my hormonal acne. I went on low estrogen birth control, normal birth control. Um, 
I've tried the thing where you just keep going and skip the placebo pills at the end that let you have your period and just never have a period. I've done it all, my friends. I've gotten an IUD, a copper IUD. I've gotten a Kylina, which is the other kind of IUD. I have gotten an implant. I've tried it all. And every single form of birth control I have tried myself that are hormonal birth control rather has made my BPD symptoms go off the fucking charts. When I tell you my moods, my anxiety, my depression is just like hormonal birth control does not work for me. That's why I tried the copper coil, the copper IUD. Um, I thought that that would help because it doesn't have any hormones. Dear God, I think I was on my period for 10 days at a time. (laughs) Um, I had debilitating cramps, which cramps are actually not something I struggle with. Thank goodness. Too badly. I get so many other PMS symptoms. Um, But let's just say that whenever you go in with severe PMS symptoms, symptoms to a doctor, nine times out of 10, that's what I got. And I'm sure that's probably what many of you have experienced too. It's like, have you tried hormonal birth control? And every time I'm like, no, that doesn't work for me. I never heard of this more spiritual, holistic, menstrual cycle awareness approach. And I will say, if you would have told me three years ago, Molly, in three years, you're going to take a a spiritual, more feminine, embodied approach to your, your period, your menstrual cycle, and you're going to approach it with reverence, I would have been like, bitch, get out of here. Because <laughs> I just... I was anti-spirituality stuff a few years ago. And I've told you guys before, it's because of I just experienced a lot of religious burnout from super um, Baptist and evangelical Christian stuff when I was growing up. And it just really put me off. So that means that I shut the door on all spirituality. But now I have found my own sense of spirituality. And when I tell you that by the end of this episode you are going to really have so much respect for your body and your menstrual cycle. You're going to understand more history. And now I'm like actually starting to be in awe of myself as a woman and what my body can do because of this learning. So I am so excited to share all of this with you. And this was a really important intro because I want to like tell you that I wanted to show you where I started in all of this and how easy it is for us to become disconnected from all this information because our society and our parents aren't doing us any favors. We weren't told any of this stuff and it's not readily available either. I had to dig for this information because let's just face it, nobody's making money off of women becoming more spiritually empowered and understanding of their cycle. It doesn't benefit anybody to give us this information, but that's why I've realized so much over the last year is the real recovery stuff, the real stuff that's going to connect you. It's out there. There's a treasure trove of information on Google, YouTube, but you have to know where to look. And this episode is going to give you so much to think about. I'm not sure where we're going to get to at the end of this. I've got so much research and material I've put together for all of us here. I may end up having to break this into two. I may end up making this fucking three hours long. I don't know what's going to happen, but that's the beauty of having my own podcast. (laughs) And I love having podcasts because if it's long, you can 
pause in the halfway mark, listen to the rest later. But I just want to give you as much information as I can because it's it took me so long and I looked in so many different places to find all of this. And now the beauty of you listening to this is all of you amazing humans can just hear all of this in one go. And if you pause, if you hear something that you're like, hmm, I want to learn more about that, pause the podcast, write yourself a note down and go down a Google wormhole about something that I've said. Because trust me, there's so much information. There's so many women out there writing about this that with their own unique, incredible perspectives, whether that be women that are a different nationality, culture um, than me, it's just beautiful. When I tell you it's beautiful, when I tell you that there's so much out there that's just like hidden under the all the other bullshit in the internet, mm, chef's kiss. Like go out there, start researching, find different perspectives than mine even and go out there and dive in. So let's just start at the basics. Everybody knows what PMS is. It's almost a running joke. Like, mm, are you PMSing? Again, something that has a very negative connotation typically, but PMS is premenstrual syndrome. But what is PMDD? PMDD is stands for premenstrual dysphoric disorder. It is, in the most basic terms, severe PMS, also known as PMS's evil stepsister. <laughs> And most women experience symptoms of PMS from time to time. The stuff like the stereotypical symptoms, cravings, bloating, irritability, tender breasts, that kind of thing. With PMDD, it seriously impacts your quality of life. So this is as medical and like clinical as we're going to get on this entire podcast episode because the rest of it is going to be very (laughs) spiritual, but to meet the criteria for premenstrual dysphoric disorder or PMDD, you must experience five or more of the following symptoms during most of the week before your cycle. And the symptoms have to interfere significantly with your daily life and relationships. And it also says that at least one of the first four symptoms must be present. So let's just read these symptoms and think about if this sounds like you the week before your period. So one, significantly depressed mood, hopelessness, self-deprecating thoughts. For me, tick, fucking tick, tick, tick. The week before my period, I get so incredibly grouchy. Everything, I take everything really personally. I notice that my inner critic is like always, it's just like it's turn, everything's turned up a notch. If somebody looks at me a certain way, if I get an email, like I'm just always, I'm I'm creating my own narratives. I'm freaking out about every little thing. And I can just kind of start noticing when that happens. And then I have a period tracker app, which we'll talk more about later in the podcast. But I'll notice, you know, week three of my cycle, when it's getting there, getting to the point where I'm about to have my period in five, seven days, I notice it. I can, I feel it. Then I look at my flow tracker app and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm five days away. Makes sense. Right. But our bodies are telling us this even before we're getting that signal. So symptom number one, significantly depressed mood, hopelessness, self-deprecating thoughts, AKA inner critic AF, right? 
Symptom number two, significant anxiety, tension, feeling irritable, uptight. Absolutely can relate to that one. Three, sudden mood changes of sadness, weepiness, or easily feeling rejected. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Everything that my boyfriend does that could that maybe wouldn't bother me when I'm ovulating or like on the first two weeks of my cycle, if I'm on week three, he is like walking on eggshells even more. Um, number four is anger or irritability or increased conflict with others. Five, lack of motivation for usual activities. Six, difficulty concentrating. Seven, lethargy, easily fatigued, low energy. Eight, changes in appetite, overeating, food cravings. Nine, sleeping too much or insomnia. The week before my period, I have such a hard time sleeping. My I get really hot. I run hot anyway, and I get extra hot. I have a really hard time falling asleep, and I often wake up multiple times in the night, which often means that I'm like dead the next day because I need my sleep. 10, overwhelmed, feeling out of control. 11, additional physical symptoms such as breast tenderness, swelling, headaches, joint or muscle pain, bloating, 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 or weight gain. I get all of those hardcore. My the breast tenderness thing really affects me. It is horrible, horrible pain. My sister also experiences serious breast pain around her period, throbbing headaches, just feeling like I almost every month around my period too, I feel like it's also constantly I'm telling my boyfriend, like, I think I'm getting sick. And now he's even like, I think you're probably just getting your period. I'm like, "Mm, yeah, you're right. It can make you feel like you have the flu almost. Now, this gets even more complicated for people with BPD or CPTSD. And when I tell you the amount of women that I've met who said that they struggle with PMDD um, with their BPD and how like much it destroys their life, I have heard it so often. And that's why for those of us who have BPD traits or are diagnosed with BPD or maybe just identify with BPD symptomology you can benefit so much from menstrual cycle awareness because it's even more important that you are taking the time and observing these inner seasons that we're going to be talking about later because you're very sensitive. Your emotions are sensitive and it's so important to have this awareness. And for me, this has been the biggest game changer for just like my emotional regulation as a woman with BPD And it's so important for every single woman, but for those of us who experience emotion dysregulation, which is what I prefer to call my BPD, quite frankly, because I won't, we won't even go into it, but I hate the name borderline personality disorder. I think it's awful and stigmatizing, and I don't believe anybody's personality is disordered inherently. Again, my personal opinion didn't find it helpful for me, but emotion dysregulation, fuck yeah, that is something that I just feel like my emotions are all over the place. And that's why this stuff with the menstrual cycle awareness is really, really going to help you. So all these symptoms that we just talked about, all 11 of these, you must experience five or more of them to a point where it really affects your life and your functioning to have PMDD. 
This will sound familiar for with people with BPD because it's the same thing with BPD, right? You have to meet X amount of criteria. You have to have X amount of the symptoms and and those symptoms must impact your ability to function in day-to-day life to meet the criteria for an official BPD diagnosis. I dreaded the week of my period. I, because I knew, I knew that not only that, friends, I started to realize too that all the most chaotic shit that would happen in my life when I would make the most drastic decisions, when I would kind of have the biggest fights with my partners, I started realizing, okay, yeah, it's all around that time, right? And so this started to make me realize this is really important for me to get a handle on this. I read this quote from a woman who is a menstrual cycle awareness coach And she wrote, I have had many women share in workshops or with me privately that they experience a very intense sort of PMS, not the usual and more accepted PMS symptoms such as irritability, tender breasts, craving, or perhaps feeling a bit teary. Rather, what I hear is that these women experience an intense darkness of the psyche and heightened anxiety up to 10 days prior to menstruation. This shows up as feeling hugely depressed very anxious to the point that they can't be looked at or can't look at their loved ones. There can be grief and anxiety about life in general. There is a huge visceral charge in the body and it can be very difficult to cope. It shows up differently for each woman, but the common theme I've heard is that there is a darkness and a charge to the experience. Menstruation brings a sense of relief as it passes. In the medical world, this experience could be diagnosed for some people as a condition known as PMDD, which in essence is a mental health condition linked to the menstrual cycle. The whole concept of it feeling like a darkness really resonated for me because that is what it feels like. It feels like you are just getting taken over by like this dark demon and you're not really in your true self. And I find myself having these really big reactions, these dark, angry part of me is kind of like lashing out. And this was happening before I started observing my cycle and going with the flow of it more. And what I've realized is that this is our body telling us it's time to slow the fuck down. But so many of us don't listen to it. And so therefore we push and push and push ourselves And we're ignoring our bodies and this way of kind of like lashing out these feelings that these signals our bodies are trying to send us is the only way our body knows how to communicate to us. But those of us with BPD, CPTSD, or any other kind of mental health condition, you can relate to the fact that a lot of times we get into our lowest BPD points or our lowest mental health states when we've just ignored and ignored and ignored what our body needs. And that's exactly what PMDD is. It's Those symptoms are at their worst when we are not observing our menstrual cycle. When we're not practicing menstrual cycle awareness, we're pushing our body, we're not listening to this call into the inner darkness that our cycle demands of us. And we're going to be talking about how you can start working with that instead of working against it and ignoring it. Something that I read that was so beautiful was that PMS and PMDD symptoms are nature's way of making you slow down and take stock of your life, of embracing the cyclical nature of being a woman. 
And that is just so beautiful. In, in its essence, that's really what it's about. And the best way for us to kind of move into the next part of our discussion here is talking about cycles. There are cycles in nature. The tides in the ocean move with the phases of the moon, the seasons, winter, spring, summer, things in the winter time, things get cold. There's a, a certain retreat and slowing down in summer and spring. There's new life, right? Things must die and be born again. And we can understand that so much more when we think about nature, but somehow we've lost this respect for cycles within ourselves and a woman's menstrual cycle. Your menstrual cycle is your inner seasons. And think about how many years you've been alive, just completely ignoring that and thinking about it as a nuisance or an annoyance or even more like a shameful experience. So the word menstruation is derived from Greek and Latin words meaning month and moon. So menstruation not only ties us to nature, but it gives us insight into our health. Early cultures really respected this time of the month and its connection to nature. And these early cultures, they paid attention to the effect of the lunar and seasonal cycle on their emotions, their energy levels, and their psychological states. And they learned how to create a balance in all of those. And there was a focus in these cultures on self-care that empowered women of all ages to honor their bodies and make choices to put themselves first. And menstruation historically was a time of purification, rejuvenation, creativity, and going within to rest. And in some cultures, women were even relieved of all their duties. Like they, they didn't have to do anything. They instead gathered together, elevated their collective energy, and they decided to rest and connect and retreat from their societies during their menstrual cycle because they had such profound respect and spiritual connection to this time of the month for them. Now, I also learned that before we had electricity, women ovulated according to their physiological and hormonal response to the amount of light in the night sky. So our biological blueprint is to ovulate when there's most light in the night sky, which historically was during the full moon. And this then leads us to bleeding with the new moon. And we have physiological feedback loop in our bodies that regulates our melatonin production, which influences many things, including the hormones that ripen and release an egg from our ovaries. And with the introduction of electricity, and then now all of the light pollution, right, from our phones, our laptops, even just electric light in our homes, and also the additional stress of modern life, all of the chemicals in our environment, the chemicals we put on our bodies, and that's just inevitable. Women now bleed and ovulate not only at different times to each other, unless they're living together, because you know, 
you've talked to your friends, like we're in sync. Our cycles have synced, right? That shit actually happens, but also at different times to the moon signals. So women go through four distinct hormonal trends every month, very similar to the moon. The moon has four phases and we also have four phases and some weeks in our cycle we're more creative you know, like you could think about it sometimes in the month. You're like, Oh my God, I could go meet with people. I want to hang out with my friends. I want to, I want to clean my whole house. And then there are others that are best for retreating and rest. But oftentimes we're pushing ourselves through that. We're not observing the rest and retreat phases. And although they don't always sync up, knowing what phase you're in is what menstrual cycle awareness is. And it can really help you better harness your energy. It's really, really helped me. And when you're thinking about this, nobody taught me this shit. (laughs) Did they teach you this? Anyone who grew up learning about this, I'm just like, we need to teach our daughters this stuff. So in any case, (laughs) the four phases of the menstrual cycle are called this. Menstrual, this is when you're on your period. Follicular, ovulation, and luteal. I would say that most of us are only familiar with the menstrual phase, which is like when we're actually on our periods. Ovulation, I think most of us have heard of that, when you're ovulating, you're most fertile, right? But this follicular and luteal phase, we don't hear about the four phases. And so this is what, you know, you would hear a doctor refer to these phases. Um, but we're going to go into the more spiritual aspect and what each of these phases mean. But first I want to do what I love doing. You guys know that I really love this like nerdy stuff. We're going to go into the history of menstruation and we're really going to dive deep into how maybe some of our ancestors may have approached menstruation. And we all come from different parts of the world, different, um, genealogy. So, I tried to capture as many different perspectives as I could, but either way, just hearing about how some women um, just really approached menstrual rights from an ancestral perspective, I think is such an empowering thing for us to sit together and talk about right now before we really dive into actually what the process of menstrual cycle awareness is, because I can give you the, okay, step one, step two, step three, this is how you do it. You know, if you're a listener of this podcast, that's not where I think actual learning and healing happens. It's let's dive into the history, the why of all of this to expand our awareness. And then it's going to hopefully make you realize like, wow, this is important, right? This is something women have been doing for thousands of years and we become so disconnected with it because of the way our society, what our society is prioritizing now. And how we're expected to just be these little productivity machines. And anyway, yeah, let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the history of menstrual cycles and menstrual rights. So ancestral rights, and that is rights as in R-I-T-E-S. These are things that our ancestors did to signify important moments in a human being's life. So for example, think about the ancient Egyptians. Those are not my particular ancestors, but I am just a huge nerd. 
if you know me in my personal life, I love everything about ancient Egypt. I love everything about medieval England there. I'm just like a huge history nerd anyway, but those are my two kind of top things to really get geeky about. But when we think about ancestral rights, if we're thinking about the ancient Egyptians, for example, the way that they venerated their dead, they, you know, they made a huge, beautiful ritual of, um, the way that they buried their dead, creating mummies, putting them in these beautiful ornate tombs in the pyramids, the way they approached birth and their babies, the way they chose and committed to a partner, and the way that they honored or practiced their monthly moon cycle or their menstrual bleed. That is also an ancestral rite. So as we talked about already, we live in a time where our periods are generally seen as an annoyance or an impediment to being a productive member of society. This is not the way that all women have approached their cycle throughout history. And I found a few different blog posts and it was a blog post asking women to share what they found out about their ancestors and how they used to view their menstruation rituals and rites. And A woman named Jacqueline Wallach um, discovered her ancestors were Eastern European Jews, and she wrote, The menstrual time of the month for my ancestors was called Nida, one translation meaning separation or make distant, a time for no physical contact with one's spouse. They would partake in mikvah after, a ritual bath, usually from rainwater, during times of transition, Many women also do this during any transitional time in life if they so choose. From marriage to menopause to some less traditional, do it after graduations. Then another woman commented and she shared her story and she said, In the Hawaiian community before Christianity, menstruation was supposed to be the absolute most sacred time for women. And because it was already a matriarchal society where women generally were seen to have the most spiritual power, it was believed that when women were bleeding, they were so powerful that if men were around them, the men's mana or soul energy would get sucked out because they couldn't handle such sacred power. Now, reading all this made me want to research about the ways my ancestors embraced menstruation. Before, it was seen as unclean or dirty by modern-day patriarchal society, and long before we were socially conditioned to feel ashamed to bleed. My ancestors are from Celtic Britain, and the Celts, to be stained with the red presumably menstrual blood, right? Meant that you were chosen by the goddess. There's a Celtic word, ruad, and it means both red and royal. And the eggs of Germanic goddess Astore, which are womb symbols that evolved through to modern-day Easter, were traditionally colored red and laid on graves to strengthen the dead for the afterlife. In Greece and southern Russia... Graves were reddened with ochre clay for closer resemblance to the earth mother's womb from which the dead could be birthed again. Now, something cool that I also learned is that Celtic rituals were often granted by elder women in the community due to the belief that being postmenopausal made you the wisest as you had a permanently retained your wisdom blood. 
Now think about how different this is from what we're taught in society is just like if you're a young woman and you are in the phase of your life where you're bleeding and actively having a menstrual cycle, it's a gross thing. And then if you are in menopause or postmenopause and no longer have your period, you're like past your prime and no longer fertile. And look at how these ancestral societies approached this as when you were bleeding, it was a sacred time. And then when you are past the point of bleeding and you're in menopause, you are a wise, wise, respected spiritual woman. We've strayed so, so far from this. And it's such a shame that that's the case. Now, another really cool little bit of research that popped up was the concept of the Black Madonna. So the term Black Madonna or Black Virgin, this is from Wikipedia, tends to refer to statues or paintings in Western Christendom of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the Infant Jesus, where both figures are depicted as Black. The Black Madonna can be found both in Catholic and Orthodox countries. So... I would highly recommend if you're just home, like Google Black Madonna. The reason I bring up the Black Madonna is because in my research of these ancient rituals for menstruating women, I came across several articles that connected this ancient Black Madonna figure with the power and might of a menstruating woman, which symbolizes this dark goddess, a woman who is bleeding. And the dark goddess was both revered and feared because of her power and her abilities to control the weather historically, right? And it was said that her gaze could cause a flood or dry up ponds and her, just a glance from her could wither trees and plants and cause crops to fail, make cows die. Her touch could make weapons ineffective in hunting. She could make it snow, Right? amazing power that this woman held if she so choose to wield it. And the tradition of secluding a bleeding woman in cultures around the world is important to understand from this frame of the dark goddess or black Madonna, because it represents a deeper understanding of a woman's needing to go inward, but also how powerful she is and how powerful this menstrual blood is during this time. And I know that most of us have heard about, you know, women retreating, like in in other countries, maybe you've heard in other cultures, a woman taking herself away during her, her period. And I have to admit, when I've heard some of these things, I was like, wow, that's so disgusting that they make a woman go to a different, maybe she wants to go to a different room or something. I, now I'm seeing this in a different way because while yes, I'm sure there are cultures and practices where women are shunned because their menstrual cycle is, is deemed dirty. But there are also cultures and practices where women choose to seclude themselves to go inward during this time. And you'll understand a lot more about this when we talk more about menstrual cycle awareness and how you can put it in practice in your own life. So instead of our modern lens of seeing a woman as dirty during her period, I'm now, through all this research, I see how honored she was in this act of seclusion or her sacred inward time. And guys, as I've deepened my own reverence for my menstrual cycle, 
I have really, really started to understand this in such a more profound way. So let's talk about even more cultures and how they view menstruation. So in ancient Greek culture, the word menstruation derives from the Latin and Greek word moon for moon, which is mene. And in ancient Greece, physicians believed that the moon and the monthly menstrual cycle were linked. And during a woman's period of menstruation, she was thought to be spiritually and mentally powerful. This is a theme that comes up in so many different cultures, is a woman being more powerful on her period. Now, in numerous indigenous cultures, there is also a history of menstrual bleeding being linked to the new moon. In the Ojibwe tradition, menstruation is known as moon time, and traditionally women take refuge at home during this time to rest and reflect. And Patty Smith of the Leech Lake Band of Minnesota Ojibwe tribe said in an interview, she said, women have great power during their moons, which is their periods. As they bleed, they're sloughing off the accumulated experience and stress of being a woman. Some of those experiences are painful or may contain negative energy. So we want to be careful that we don't interrupt that process. How beautiful is that? Just the visual of as they're bleeding, we are sloughing off. And by sloughing off, that means we are just like shedding like a snake skin off of this accumulated stress of being a woman. Isn't that such a beautiful way of seeing your period? And you can see it as such a necessary thing. In the tradition of the Yurok tribe in California, moon time is also a prominent part of the culture. So in an article for the American Ethnological Society, Thomas Buckley spoke to a woman from the Yurok tribe who said that moon time is a time of strength. She said, it's the time when a woman is at the height of her powers. Thus, the time should not be wasted in mundane tasks and the social distractions, nor should one's concentration be broken with concerns for the opposite sex. (laughs) Basically, she's like... Fucking calm down and don't fucking worry about men, girl, (laughs) which I love. The women of the Yurok tribe also isolated themselves from men and family members during their moon time. They sometimes visited a sacred moon time pond where spiritual bathing and rituals were performed. And remember the woman who said that she was also had Jewish heritage and her ancient ancestors also practice this spiritual bathing. I don't know about you, but there is nothing I love more than a bath when I am like near my period or on my period. It is the most calming thing. I find myself drawn to wanting to take a bath. There's no mystery or like, this is not a coincidence, right? Sometimes we really are just naturally drawn to something that our ancestors have done. I truly believe that at this point. Now, women of the Yurok tribe believed that they were all synced with the moon in ancient times. And according to the Yurok woman from this article by Buckley, if a woman from the tribe ever felt uh, fell out of synchronization, she would get back in, quote, by sitting in the moonlight and talking to the moon, asking it to balance her. That gives me goosebumps. I think that's so beautiful. And it just highlights how far we have 
fallen away from this, right? So in Ayurveda and Hindu culture, many Hindu and Buddhist traditions also point to a link between the lunar cycle and menstruation. Now, according to Ayurveda, blood or rakta in Sanskrit is believed to be governed by Chandra, the moon. Women were traditionally believed to be healthier when their cycles were in sync with lunar rhythms. According to an ancient medieval yogic text, women were considered to be lunar in nature, while men were considered to be solar in nature, and it was believed that the lunar cycle affected various stages of menstruation. I hope that hearing about all of these incredibly rich and ancient traditions from over the entire world from east to west, you can understand that It is deeply ingrained with each of us to approach our menstrual cycle from a place of deep awareness and respect. And I highly recommend that you get more curious about your ancestral menstrual rituals of people that you came from. So a good way to do that is just start Googling terms like menstrual rites and By the way, that's rites, R-I-T-E-S. You can Google phrases like menstrual rituals and the name of your people. So when you're thinking about your people that you came from, think like tribal land affiliation over nationality for better luck with that, right? Like where did your ancestors come from? Something else important to remember is that not everything is online, especially when it comes to sacred feminine practices from marginalized groups. So head to your local library and spend time looking at older books that maybe have passed on this knowledge. Um, And when you find it, share it. This is what we need to do. Our ancestors, women that came before us, they passed this knowledge on to their daughters, to their friends. That's how these things live on. And as cheesy as it might sound, my friend, like I'm talking in your ear right now. This is what I want to do. I've learned this myself now. It has changed my entire life. And that's why I wanted to dedicate this whole episode to it. When you listen to my episode of like the most important recovery lessons I've learned so far, this is such a huge, huge piece. So learn about this just embrace it, take it all the way in. And then when you found the particular creators and thought leaders that even outside of what I'm sharing with you that resonate with you, share it with your friends and your sisters and your family members and your partners, even if they don't have a menstrual cycle, people that don't have a period every month also should be aware of this stuff. It's a beautiful thing to pass on. So now that we've talked about the history, the background, we've set the stage now. So when I first ran across the word menstrual cycle awareness, and it's often when you Google it, you will be Googling MCA is a lot of times what it's abbreviated as. It's menstrual cycle awareness. It's a thing. And I can't remember where I ran across it. It was definitely like on one of my down the rabbit hole spiritual Googling things. There's this phrase that's come up very often in my spiritual journey so far. 
And it's that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I think that's the phrase. And I found that to be true for me as I've been going on this recovery spiritual journey of mine is that concepts just kind of come into my life at the right time through maybe a random article like this niche blog I'm reading and I just follow it and trust that it's there for a reason. And I encourage you to do the same thing. And you may be listening to this episode today for that very reason, right? I may be the teacher that you need now to help you just step the first foot into that rabbit hole. That's my hope. So if you're listening to this right now and you are just feeling like something deep within you, you're like, I've needed to hear this. There's a reason for that, right? And follow it. So needless to say, I was looking at this really niche blog and I heard about this book called The Red School. And it's these two women that, to my understanding came up with the the phrase menstrual cycle awareness MCA, right? As we've talked about, this is steeped in ancestral history from thousands of different people and cultures. But these two women who are based in the United Kingdom decided to write a book called Wild Power, Discover the Magic of Your Menstrual Cycle and Awaken the Feminine Path to Power, right? <laughs> And my God, when I first read the title, I was just like, this sounds so cheesy, but it's not, it is exactly what I needed to read. And I think I said that the book is called Red School, but it's not, it's called Wild Power. But Shawnee and Alexandra, who are the authors of this book called Wild Power, they've founded something called Red School, right? And you can go to their website. It's redschool.net. And I will also link to that in the show notes. And they just talk about everything menstrual cycle awareness. They have a blog on there. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, they even offer like, I think individualized coaching. I haven't invested in any of that. I just bought the books, uh, the book, and I have read tons of their blog posts, but let's talk about what menstrual cycle awareness is first. So put really simply, menstrual cycle awareness or MCA is the practice of learning about and monitoring your menstrual cycle. And Shawnee and Alexandra in the book describe it at essentially as a daily self-led practice where you monitor which day and phase of your cycle you're currently in as well as your lived experience. And it allows you to understand the fluctuations of your hormones and the impact they have on your life. And they tell us that you can use it to empower yourself in all sorts of ways from your professional and personal life. And as crazy as that sounds, I have to admit, I'm just putting myself in your shoes and I just really would be like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. But it really, really does. So is menstrual cycle awareness just about tracking our period? No, because there's so much more to our cycle than just when we're bleeding. And as we've talked about before, it's it's called a cycle for a reason because our menstrual cycle is a continuum that revolves around two events, right? Ovulation and menstruation. And tracking our period is a great start, 
but it doesn't take the whole picture into account. And we actually can't accurately predict our periods without knowing when we've ovulated. And even then, it's never really 100% accurate. Now, you might be thinking like, why should I track ovulation? I thought that only women that are trying to get pregnant need to do that. For most women, ovulation not only becomes important in the quest to have children, but knowing when you're ovulating is just as important when you're trying to avoid getting pregnant and maybe aren't using birth control, as well as just being an indicator of how your cycle is going as a whole. For me, I'm not actively trying to have a baby right now. And because birth control does not work for me, I choose to practice safe sex with my partner using menstrual cycle awareness. By the way, I'm in a long-term committed relationship and also using condoms still. So that's just what works for us. But it's really common for women to think that they can get pregnant any day of the month. But actually, we're only fertile for a few days in each of our cycle, which is around the time of our ovulation. But I'm just saying this does vary from woman to woman. But hormonal birth control interrupts this process, right, to fool our body and it stops ovulation from happening altogether. So what happens during an average cycle for a woman? An average cycle length is around 28 days long. So day one is the first day of your period. But cycles are different, just like every person. It can vary from 21-day cycle to 35-day cycle. So 21 to 35 days is considered normal. And the length of your cycle can change now and then throughout your life. Your cycle starts with menstruation. After then, you enter the pre-ovulatory phase. Ovulation is the peak of your cycle. And then the premenstrual phase comes before your period. And then the period starts. So these are four distinct and different phases of the cycle with different hormonal fluctuations and lived experiences. And what I love about Shawnee and Alexandra's approach with the Red School and the Wild Power book is that they have labeled these four different phases of our cycle to match the seasons of nature. And we're going to talk about that more in a moment. It just makes it so much easier because for me, I'm like, all of these more medical sounding names were confusing me and making me feel overwhelmed. Before we talk about the inner seasons and I break them down for you, what are the benefits of menstrual cycle awareness? At the minimum, understanding where we are in our menstrual cycle means that we can have an overview of ovulation and menstruation and the cycle of body signs that happens around these times. And this can be really helpful if we always have found that maybe we get a yeast infection every single month. And I found out this might actually just be your cervical mucus thickening around ovulation or wondering why we get a monthly mini depression slash murder rage right before our period starts with each phase of the cycle having a different effect on our hormones our entire system can be affected from digestion to mindset. And the reward we get 
from tracking our cycle through menstrual cycle awareness and the understanding of these inner seasons that we're going to talk about means that we can start to figure out when you're more prone to bloating, for example, or maybe when we feel more confident and able to communicate more clearly and maybe like kill it at a work meeting. But the benefits of menstrual cycle awareness are endless from being able to schedule our life to fit our energy levels and to highlighting and even dealing with issues like PCOS and endometriosis. So much of menstrual cycle awareness is about empowering yourself to know your body inside and out in a world where the intricacies of the female reproductive system are basically just ignored. But once you start digging deeper, you will really start to understand what it means to start tracking your cycle as a really spiritual practice and a key part of your recovery. So before we dig into the inner seasons and what they are, I can I know that when I first started hearing people talking about menstrual cycle awareness and just track the cycle, you can be like, oh my God, is it hard? Is it hard to track my cycle? No. A daily check-in to track your cycle takes as little as like one minute. It can be done anywhere or with an app on your phone, journal, anything like that. It's quick and easy. I highly recommend getting an app. I use Flow. This is not a paid promotion by any stretch. I've tried a couple of different cycle tracking apps. Some of them are confusing. Flow can even be confusing. And some of them are very pushy to make you upgrade to premium. I do not pay for premium. I have Flow, that's F-L-O, free app on iPhone. And what I highly recommend you do is, I'm going to say what I do. So find your own way, but if you want to do what I do, it's easy. Do this. Download Flow. It's a free app on your phone. And wait until your period starts. Because if you're in the middle of your cycle, it's just going to be a head fuck to try to figure out where you're at, especially if you're starting from scratch. Don't you stress yourself out. Wait till you start your period. And when your period starts, cycle day one is not when... Sometimes before I start my period, I spot a little bit for a day or so. That's not day one. When you fully start to bleed on your period, that's day one. Go into Flow, the app, and click track period. And that's day one of your cycle. And then you can start menstrual cycle awareness. So... Then you're on day one. Then it's super easy to start tracking your um, cycles and then make it a habit. Set a reminder in your phone. That's what I do is like check flow. I just check what day I'm at and set a reminder for yourself until it becomes a habit to check your flow app every morning. I look because I'm just like, I want to know what day of my cycle I'm on. And now it's a habit. I open my phone and if I'm starting to feel shitty, like on week three, And I'm like checking my flow app and I'm like, yep, yep. I know that I'm in my inner autumn now, which we're going to talk about, which is now it's like, how do we map our inner seasons using menstrual cycle awareness? So now that you've got your flow app downloaded, you're on your first day of your period, you've tracked it. You're like, I'm on day one. Okay, cool. Now, before we go into the different phases I want to read this blog post by Shawnee and Alexandra of Red School because before you actually understand the inner seasons and why they're so important, I thought this blog post was a really powerful way to open it up 
So Shawnee is actually the author of this blog post, and I will link to this in the show notes, but it's a really good summary of Wild Power, the book that totally just like changed the game for me. So if this sounds interesting to you, I highly recommend anyway that each of you buy Wild Power, but if you don't have the resources to buy it now, this is a really good intro to it. And I think it's a powerful way to open up our discussion about the inner seasons and so that it'll all connect and make sense to you more. Shawnee writes, there's a cosmos within you as a woman that we like to call your power process. And you guessed it, it's your menstrual cycle. Your power process is your means of coming to know the truth of who you are your calling, and also your capacity to realize or express that in the world. Power is ultimately your ability to love your own unique nature so that you may come into sync with it and fulfill it in the world. And here's the wondrous thing. The menstrual cycle's secret remit is to deliver you home to yourself, to like, accept, and ultimately love yourself. It is this peace with who you are that unlocks your true power, And while supporting you to come into ever deeper relationship with who you are, the menstrual cycle also simultaneously supports the unfolding of or expression of that. In other words, it helps you to get stuff done in the world. Such a complete package we hold within. You can think of your power process as a dynamic that you're living within, and you have to learn how to get into gear with it and allow more of it to come through you. So let's get in gear. The constituent elements of your power process, the muscle groups. Through our work over the years, we've observed that there are different elements to this power process, like different muscle groups in your body that all need to be cared for, exercised, if you like, for you to function well. First, in the basic dynamic of the cycle, we refer to as the map of the two vias. There are two currents of energy, an expanding current from menstruation up to ovulation, which we call the via positiva, and a contracting current from ovulation back to menstruation via negativa. That gives rise to two basic or fundamental elements of your power process, what we call the power of yes and the power of no. Secondly, in the next layer of your power process and what we love to call the workhorse of your power process is the map of the inner seasons, which holds four distinct phases that highlight four ways of being with yourself your inner winter, menstruation, your inner spring, pre-ovulation, your inner summer, ovulation, and inner autumn, pre-menstruum. Finally, within the inner winter, which is when your period starts, there is a specific process that brings you home to love and remember your own wild power. We call this map the five chambers of menstruation. Together, these three maps work as an integrated process guiding you into wholeness. Each phase or muscle group of the power process is necessary for you to grow into your power and wise expression of it in the world. Each phase needs to be fully recognized, loved, and lived in, in order for you to experience the full gifts of that season. And equally importantly, prepare for your following season. For example, if you're unable to let go sufficiently during your period, which is the anchor of your power process, you can head into your inner spring feeling depleted and misaligned and therefore unable to capitalize on your inner spring. In order to fulfill the vital gifts that each season holds, we have found that there are key sacred tasks to be undertaken. Think of them as part of your initiatory rite of passage to greater balance and harmony. 
These sacred tasks are this, via positiva, cultivating your inner champion, via negativa, developing your relationship with your inner critic, inner winter, surrendering yourself, inner spring, cherishing yourself, inner summer, celebrating yourself, and inner autumn, holding yourself, or more precisely, holding the tension of the complexity of who you are. As you practice these tasks in their respective seasons, although frankly trying them out in any old time is going to up your game enormously, you allow the full powers of that season to be released and embodied within ever more fully each menstrual month. Your aim is to consummate that season as best as you can within the limits of your life. This also sets you up to enter the next season with a greater sense of readiness. Remember that inner seasons work as an integrated whole. You can't skip a season and expect to feel fully well and embodied in your power process. Now, if any of this sounds overwhelming to you right now in this moment, that's okay. This is a lot of new information. It took me months to feel like I finally had my mind wrapped around it. So just be patient with yourself. So in the blog post we just read from Red School, you heard mentioned the inner seasons and If you think about anything now and you're just starting at the beginning, just think about the inner seasons. That's all you need to do. Download your period tracking app, start on day one of your period, and this is when your journey with menstrual cycle awareness can begin. This is how I started as a baby newbie to all of this. So there's an article that I'm also going to link in the show notes um, by Rising Woman that is like so good for us newbies in menstrual cycle awareness because it breaks down each of these inner seasons that we just talked about and it even has like the exact days that you're going in your inner cycle through each of these seasons so let's talk about them this article by rising woman states that if a woman pays attention to her cycle she's further freeing herself from the chains of a patriarchal society that has abandoned the gentleness of feminine energy She's reclaiming her right to unapologetically tend to the requests of her body from week to week. She knows that she understands her shifts in moods, wants and needs, and is more in control of her life. She knows herself. Rather than feeling as though she's being thrashed around by an unpredictable storm, she's self-aware and is able to navigate the stormy waters with more confidence and grace. One week, she may want to socialize. The next, she will want to feel more space. A woman who isn't communicating with her body will say things like, I feel like I'm going crazy. And an empowered woman journey involves learning to love her cycle rather than denying its power. And what I love about this beginning of this particular article, breaking down the inner seasons is I felt this way before I started practicing menstrual cycle awareness. I felt like I was literally just getting yanked around and I was at the mercy. And as many of you who are longtime listeners know, when someone would ask me, what do I need? I felt like, so like, I don't know how crazy is it to feel like you don't know what your needs are. Menstrual cycle awareness, my friends is an amazing way to start finding out what your needs are, because how do you find out what your needs are? You listen to your body. Your body will tell you. It's just we are so constantly numbing and distracting ourselves that we don't tune in. So this is why this is a powerful practice for so many of us, especially women with BPD, because we are often so dissociated and apart and away from our bodies. 
menstrual cycle awareness is imperative for us. It's important also not to get discouraged if your cycle is irregular or if certain phases are longer than average as we go through these inner seasons. Just use this information as a guide to start building a stronger relationship with your body, to start tuning in, finding out what those needs are, right? And as you start to understand the energies and signs of each phase, you're going to start to be able to tune in and sense where you're at, even if it's a little bit different each month, because it's a little different for me too. I am a very, like, a person who's like, okay, tell me what steps to follow. (laughs) What phase am I at? What day is it supposed to be? And if you're like me, you're going to have to relax a little bit and not be like, I am the type of bitch that's going to be like, why am I a day late? I'm horrible at this menstrual cycle thing. Like I'll, I'll literally find a way to beat myself up about even not doing this right. So don't do that. Don't turn this into another excuse to like find something wrong with yourself or beat yourself up. This is a fun experiment to tune in and become more present with your body. Okay. So week one is called your inner winter. Now this happens around day one through six of your menstrual cycle. When you're bleeding week two is what we call the inner spring. This is around day seven to 13 when you're in the pre ovulation phase week three is inner summer around day 14 to 21. This is during your ovulation phase. And then inner fall or inner autumn is around day 22 to 29 during your luteal phase, which is when we start winding down again to prepare for menstruation. Then it circles all the way back around to inner winter when we bleed. I'm going to link to this article in the show notes because it breaks this down. And then there's this really beautiful chart that shows you how you move through. I highly recommend you look into this and just see it visually because I'm also a very visual learner. I like to see things like this. Another thing that's really helped me is that on day one of my period, when I started tracking my period, I went through on my iPhone and I created all day events in my calendar app and I put day one through six and I literally put inner winter and I did a reminder for myself the day before. Then day seven to 13, I put in my iPhone inner spring, same thing with inner summer and inner autumn and fall, right? And even though this isn't exact and I may had my period and I kind of fucked up in terms of the tracking, what seeing this on my calendar did for me was really help me start really tuning into this. So if I saw inner fall coming up the next week on my calendar, I was like, okay, I'm probably not going to book myself to be social on this week. I'm going to plan to be really antisocial and go within myself that week. Having it on my calendar was a game changer. So like I said, highly recommend you get that flow app track day one of your period. That's starting when your period starts. If you're listening to this and you're on your period, you are in your inner winter. That's day one through six of your menstrual cycle. If you're in your PMS phase right now, listening to this, you're in your inner autumn slash fall. And that's around day 22. If you're somewhere in the middle, you're ovulating, you're in your inner summer. And if you just finished your period, like you stop bleeding, you're in your inner spring. I hope that helps you break it down. And 
Even though this is a pretty accurate framework for a woman's cycle, just remember that we're all unique. You may find yourself having a shorter or longer period, or you might stay in a certain season longer than others throughout the month. And this is why tracking and mapping your own cycle, figuring out what it looks like for you, is really, really super important. So let's take a dive into what each of the phases mean. We'll go into them in depth. So as I stated, week one is called our inner winter. And this is around day one through six of our menstrual cycle. This is when we are on our period, when we are bleeding. So this is week one of our cycle. Now, Rising Woman and Red School, remember all this stuff is very spiritual, right? And some of it can come across as really new agey and woo woo. And I'm not going to lie to you. Some of this shit, I, the way they phrase certain things, I can't help but roll my eyes. But what I want you to do is just like, we have to kind of dive into this. And I think of it like poetry. It really has helped me tune into my needs. So I'm going to read what rising woman has written about winter. And then I'm going to kind of talk to you like big sister Molly vibes, (laughs) So Rising Woman says, Winter is a time of inward reflection, a time of metaphorical death. The bleeding phase of your cycle is the time where your energy and hormones are at an all-time low. Most women, when left to their own devices, will take more rest on the first few days of their period. Hibernation and rest are two qualities that accurately characterize what this phase is about for a woman, but there's also a spiritual element woven in. According to ancient women's wisdom, the winter phase or wise woman slash crone phase is a time when the veil between the worlds becomes thinner. A woman bleeding is said to be more powerful and have deeper access to her own wisdom. In ancient times, women would separate from the men during their bleeding time to gather in menstrual huts or tents to renew and tune into the spiritual world. As a woman moves into her inner winter, she might find it irritating when family members, partners, or friends are asking her to do things for them during this phase. Winter is not a time to give to others, but to ourselves. Learning to be self-loving during this phase is healthiest behavior we can adopt for ourselves and our families. I like taking baths, having movie nights with my partner, spending the days alone, creative writing or reading in bed, sleeping or being in nature. Rising Woman also said key words and phrases for this phase, I love that she did this actually, are peace and quiet, rest, alone time, solo time, don't make demands of me, give me space, I want to feel safe and cozy, I'm not available to you right now, sensitivity, wisdom, creativity, letting go, and renewal. So... I hope you're now seeing the benefit of us going through all of this history and geeky stuff in the beginning because now you're seeing how much it ties in. So the way I look at inner winter, friends, is this day one of your cycle when you start bleeding is your inner winter. This is time for going within. Don't push yourself too hard on your period. And by the way, I'm acknowledging privilege here. Some of us don't have time to completely go away from the world. (laughs) and go into our menstrual hut and be a fucking woo-woo new age spiritual Instagram influencer, right? (laughs) We can't do that. Some of us have jobs. We have fucking kids. We have, I remember there was a time when I was working two jobs and going to school and this would have been like, yeah, right. But what you can do is just, I try now being more aware of, I'm trying not to schedule social stuff during this time. I'm trying to put my phone away more during this time. Even if it's just an hour, 
make time for yourself to be in silence. Do you constantly have content running? Like, do you feel like people being around you? It's just like your head is exploding. I realized that I didn't even take any time during my menstrual cycle, during my bleed to separate myself even for an hour and even just an hour a day is a huge difference. Think about if any of you are like me about how your day, just from the moment you wake up, you've got your phone in your hand, you're scrolling, you're cooking, you've got a podcast playing, a YouTube article or YouTube article, YouTube video playing. Then your partner's talking to you. Then you've got kids maybe. Then you go to work and then you come home and then you're scrolling more and you're watching TV and then you go to bed. Even if you're watching TV, it's just this constant noise, noise, noise. Try to separate yourself. Can you take an hour play relaxing music, take a bath before bed, tell your partner like, Hey, I just need some alone time. I tell Zaz now, Hey, I'm just going to take some quiet time. I wake up an hour earlier. Maybe I come downstairs. Morning times are my time. I draw a tarot card. I make sure when I'm on my period, I am hibernating. If I have a weekend, if I have time, take a nap. Don't beat yourself up embrace that when you are bleeding, your body is asking you to go within, create some time for silence and rejuvenation. How amazing and liberating is it to feel that way? Don't push yourself on your period because what happens is, is if you do that, you're going to pay the price for the rest of your cycle. That's what I've found. So what comes after winter is spring. It's the season we're in now, right? Right now we're in April. I'm actually watching all of the new flowers pop up on my walks. And after we have our periods on week two, as soon as you're done bleeding, that's when you enter your inner spring week two of your cycle. This is around day seven to 13. And you'll be able to track this easily when you do the flow tracking, like I told you about. And this is also called the pre-ovulation phase. So like before, Let's read what Rising Woman has to say about inner spring, and then I can kind of reflect on this too. She says, Ah, spring phase. (laughs) This also represents the goddess or maiden archetype. See, this is when I'm kind of going, oh boy. Spring is the second week of your cycle. Think, rebirth, renew, fresh start, cleansed, energized, and happy. As a woman moves into her inner spring, she's ready to get back into the world slowly and take on new projects, start planning and organizing her month. Inner spring is a re-emerging after period of hibernation from the world during your bleed. During this phase, the hormone estradiol, I may be butchering that, it's a form of estrogen, is rising and energy levels start making a comeback. This is an optimal time to dedicate focus time to projects, reading and researching, learning, performing physical tasks. You might find that this is the best time to move or take on a challenge. I personally find myself wanting to spend more time alone working during this time so I can get into the zone. And she says keywords and phrases for the inner spring is rebirth, renewal, fresh start, productive, focused, independent, learning, strong, able to take on challenges, physically energized, concentration. Thank you, rising woman. (laughs) My take on the inner spring is I always feel after my period's over that like I'm starting to have more energy. You can feel it, right? Even when I start my period, I always feel better. It's the, when we get into the premenstrual time, the inner autumn, which is what I'm in right now, 
that's when I'm just like, grr, I just want to murder everything. But as soon as I start my period, even though I'm tired, I automatically feel better. I'm all, I'm always like praying for my period to come because it's like a release. But once you stop bleeding and you enter this inner spring phase, you really can start feeling like more energized. Like think about it. You know that there are certain times of the month where you're just like, wow, I just want to clean. I just want to do stuff. I want to plan. I want to do my lists, right? This is what happens when we tune in. When you're tracking and doing menstrual cycle awareness, you can actually see in your phone and on the app like the days that you're in. You can know even when you're nearing the end of your inner spring so that you can start preparing for the next season, right? So this is why it's so important and so fucking cool. And when you start doing it, it's so empowering. Like I get really turned off by some of these spiritual influencers, I'm not going to lie, with all of this like goddess archetype energy stuff like I and by the way I'm a big proponent I believe in archetypes and I love exploring them from a depth psychology perspective but some of this new age pop psychology shit I feel like really just makes it cringy but it's empowering in the fact that you know you can start planning your life around these things you can start knowing what you need and tuning into your body and it's really empowering. It's an empowering feeling. I've, I've started feeling better genuinely because of this. So what comes after spring? Summer. Inner summer is week three. And this is around day 14 to 21 of our cycle. You'll be able to see that when you're tracking on your flow app. And this is our ovulation phase. Let's hear what Rising Woman says about inner summer. Summer phase is when things begin to heat up, literally and metaphorically. This is the third week of the menstrual cycle where ovulation occurs. A woman with a 29.5 day cycle may ovulate on the 14th day, though some will ovulate a bit earlier or later. I ovulate on day 17, for example, and my cycle varies from 29.5 to 33 days. Damn, rising woman, that is some scientific shit. I have not gotten this good, guys, so just letting you know. (laughs) So she says, during the summer phase or mother phase, (laughs) this is when I go, oh God, so cringy. A woman's energy is more expressive and outward. She may feel more social, and this is a great time to focus on community building, nurturing relationships, hosting, cooking, or being of service to others. Summer week is the most enjoyable time for taking care of children, offering friends support, and having lots of delicious sex with your partner. Gag. With caution, of course, because while pleasure is heightened at this time, so is your fertility. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, some research research suggests that ovulation is the best time to ask for what you want, whether that be from your partner or asking for a raise at work. Now, this particular paragraph by Rising Woman is like a perfect example of when I want to like gag reading (laughs) spiritual uh, influencer, new age, woo-woo shit stuff sometimes. Delicious sex is just like gag. Okay. How I experience this season everyone and and if you listen to my podcast maybe you're listening to this because you like the way I talk about stuff okay so maybe my take on this is summer phase is like I really do you you maybe feel like damn you look good in your clothes you're you're having a good skin and hair day like there are certain weeks in the month where I'm just like yeah I'm I'm not hating what I look like in the mirror as much as I normally do 
or you really start feeling like, "Mm, I I do want to go out and have lunch with a friend, right? You're feeling more social, or maybe you do like actually genuinely feel more horny, right? And you are actually feeling into sex where the week before you're just like, ew, don't touch me, right? This is natural. It's natural to know you don't always have to feel like a horny monster. And if you only feel like a horny monster one day, one week, a month, it's also pretty fucking normal too. (laughs) Do you like, this is my take on it all. So rising woman says the key phrases for this season are outward and expressive, flirty, creative, playful, community focused, relationship building, service, nurturing, love, making, creating, building, holding space for others, right? So what happens after the summer, inner fall or inner autumn? This is around day 22 to 29. This is also called the luteal phase. Like we talked about beginning, this phase is all about winding down. Now, before we read our friend rising woman's breakdown of this, we will also talk about this being the time of the month where I just want to murder everyone. I'm angry. This is our PMDD period. This is the PMS time. This is hardcore shit for most of us. So this is why inner autumn to me is the most important. Actually, I'm sure that the people at the red school and all of these practitioners of menstrual cycle awareness would tell me like, no, Molly, they're all equally important. I'm just saying it's really important for us to discuss this particular phase. I am in my inner autumn right now. I am about five days away from my period. I know this because I have my flow app and I'm looking at it right now as we're talking and I am currently on day 25 of my cycle. So autumn is around days 22 to 29. So I'm smack dab in the middle of my inner autumn I am four days away from my period. And when I tell you I am feeling it, I'm feeling it. Have I, I have not done as good a job as I should have, um, resting during this phase. And I can tell when I prioritize my rest, I've trialed and aired this friends over the last few months. And I don't experience as serious PMS when I prioritize my rest more. Right now where I'm sitting now, my PMS is nowhere nearly as explosive and bad when I was unaware of my seasons. Um, And that's the beauty. So even if you don't respect your inner seasons, just having an awareness of it allows you to have more patience for yourself when you're in this phase. So it's like, even if you don't prioritize rest, just the awareness itself, ladies, is going to make you feel better. Okay. So again, inner fall, Days 22 to 29, luteal phase. Let's read what our babe, rising woman, has to say. Fall is the fourth week of your cycle, and it's where things start winding down. A woman might notice herself feeling more inward at this time. She may become agitated by excessive demands placed upon her, craving more spaciousness and time alone. As an entrepreneur, I schedule my life according to my cycle. I purposely schedule days off leading up to my cycle, dedicating time to my self-care. Sidebar, not all of us have the privilege to be able to do this. Just know that this woman is like, she is an Instagram influencer and she has all the time in the world to just like do this stuff. And I recognize that that is not the case for everybody, but still important messages here, right? So she says, I purposefully schedule days off leading up to my cycle, dedicating time to my self-care. 
I encourage the woman I coach and mentor to do the same. If we disown our needs, PMS may intensify and wreak havoc on our lives. There are many practitioners of women's health who propose that PMS is symptomatic of our times. While we can attempt to ignore our body's needs, our body talk often gets louder as a result and manifests as extreme irritability and fatigue, among other symptoms. Choosing consciously to acknowledge this inward phase is a courageous act of self-love. When a woman listens to her body during the fall or autumn phase, she may be full to the brim with inspiration and find herself more inclined to dedicate her waning energy towards pursuing creative ideas. This is a wonderful time to nurture one's own creative insights, write poetry, draw, come up with strategic ideas for your business or career, or assert yourself. The keywords or phrases she lists for the fall season are lower energy, hormones are dipping, need more space, ask less of me, I don't want to give right now, moody, less focus and concentration, I want to create, less coordinated, mentally creative, less physically active, heightened creativity, assertive, and strategic. So my take on inner autumn is very similar to this rising woman perspective, but just from you to me and being just sister to sister, friend to friend, I find that I really do, when I'm tracking and I notice I'm in my inner spring and I'm like raring to go, as soon as I find that I feel that first twinge of like moodiness and I start feeling some more sensitive to stuff than usual, And I look at my phone and I see that I'm going into the inner autumn phase. I'm going, okay, I work full time, but I need to start carving out time for myself. I need to be clear with the people in my life that when I get home, hey, I need an hour of quiet time. I'm going to go read. I'm going to go take a bath. Even when I'm in my work day, I will step away if I can and go sit down and do five minutes of just quiet meditating if I can you have to carve out time for yourself during this time it's really important during this time I take time to even like sit on my balcony with a blanket around me with a cup of tea think about what you would do to really care for yourself start preparing that carve out that time in your day it's really really important and if you start doing that if you're like me you'll really start to see that even though you feel yourself definitely being more sensitive, if you proactively carve out some time for yourself and actively communicate to the people around you, like I'm in my inner autumn and fuck anybody who thinks if you're being stupid for doing this, truly, like I'm saying that, fuck them. Like tell your partner, tell the people you live with, like, hey, like if I'm more sensitive, it's because I'm coming up on my period soon If I'm being quieter, if I'm taking more time to myself, I promise it's not you. I just need to prioritize myself this week. I love you very much. That's a powerful act of self-love just in itself. And it's also good practice for those of us who struggle with BPD, CPTSD, other mental health stuff, asserting your needs, saying what you need. It's really hard for us to do that. It's hard for me to do that because I feel like people are going to judge me because I always want people to like me so much. But trust me, people are going to respect that you are letting them know what your needs are. They'll, they'll give you your space and you're going to feel so much better for it. So 
when you're in that inner autumn phase, start preparing a week before that, before PMS, get, start winding down. Don't disrespect the autumn phase because if you keep pushing yourself and you make yourself available to people 24 seven and you don't communicate these needs and you don't tune into your body, you're going to pay for it in probably huge blow up fights with your partner, making really irrational decisions. Be aware of the season that you're in. All right. So those are the inner seasons. And once we go through inner fall, then guess what? We're right back around to inner winter again. And that's what I'm waiting for. Like in four days, I'm going to start my period and then I'm going to do what I do, which is go within myself again and start the cycle all over again. It's a time for reflection. It's going within. In autumn and winter time, I really do do what Rising Woman states. I find myself really pulled to journal. I find myself pulled to read my books, my spiritual books, and then I come up with really cool podcast um, ideas. But if I don't give myself that time, that quiet time, I don't find that I get to connect to that creative side of me as much. So when I'm in summer and spring, that's like my getting shit done time. That's when I feel like I can make like five Instagram posts and then I can save those for when I'm in my inner winter and autumn time. I can like get all my emails done. I can make all the appointments. I can do all of that admin stuff. And then in inner winter and fall, I'm more reflective and quiet and I can come up with cool creative ideas that maybe I can put into practice in my spring and summer phase when I'm feeling more productive. Do you see what I'm saying? Once you start doing this, it just becomes like part of your life. It is a huge game changer. So the last thing that I've incorporated more recently that I want to talk to you about and finish off the episode with is something called seed cycling. I also came across this in all of my menstrual cycle awareness research because I found that while I was practicing menstrual cycle awareness, while it made me so much more aware, as I said, and so I could actively communicate my needs, I was still suffering quite a bit with the symptomology. I was still just really struggling with the moods and the breast tenderness. And just really, when I tell you, I feel like I have the flu before my period. Like, I feel like I have a a serious case of influenza. Like, I feel like I'm actually sick. So I ran across another book more recently, and it's by a woman named Alyssa Vidi, and it's called Woman Code. And I don't know how much I would recommend the book. It kind of gets into kind of feeling like she's just selling you her one-on-one coaching services. So I would say give that book a miss. I want to save you all the money and time. But the one good thing that came out of that book for me was her recommending seed cycling. Alyssa struggled deeply with PMDD and uh, PCOS and a lot of just like really heavy, painful periods in her life. And PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I won't go into detail on what that is. That would just be another episode on, on the whole. But she talked about the massive impact seed cycling had on her hormonal balance because what Alyssa does is she helps coach women on their hormones and become better aware of the importance that hormones play in our lives. And she said that seed cycling is something that a lot of holistic doctors recommend to women who are struggling with just period related 
distress. <laughs> That's what I'll say. So like PCOS, endometriosis, PMDD, all the things. And seed cycling is actually backed by science and we'll go into it a little bit here. And it really helps support hormone balance, help with PMS symptoms, and even like support fertility if that's something that you're interested in. And let's just talk a little bit about what it is. We can talk about how seeds actually support our hormones and then how I've incorporated this in my daily routine. I had never heard of seed cycling before and it's basically a hormone supporting practice And it's a really top trending wellness practice for a good reason. And more and more women are struggling in this day and age with hormone imbalances. And our hormones are a super complex system that function in a really delicate balance. And they're greatly influenced by our diet, exercise, sleep, stress levels, and environmental toxins. And this means that any of these factors can throw our hormones out of balance at any time. And a slight hormone imbalance can become the underlying issue for RPMDD, irregular periods, acne, thyroid disorders, or even just feeling tired all the time. So seed cycling is one of the easiest ways that we can support our hormones in a gentle but effective way. And it's completely natural. And this simple practice is something that can help support balanced hormone levels reduce our PMS symptoms, boost fertility, again, if that's something that you're, you care about, and can help stimulate menstruation if it's absent. And seed cycling isn't a cure-all, of course, I'm going to say this, right? But when you do it consistently, a lot of holistic practitioners say that it's a great way to take advantage of the healing powers in food. So let's talk a little bit about what seed cycling is. Basically, seed cycling is the practice of eating certain seeds during the two main phases of our menstrual cycle. I'm not even kidding you. It's literally just straight up eating seeds during certain times of our period or menstrual cycle during the follicular and luteal phase, right? We've already talked about this. This is why all this is so important, all this education stuff, right? You'll see it all. You see it all start to tie together. You're like, we're like just this big jigsaw puzzle. If we don't know all of these little bits of other information, none of this stuff makes sense. So eating these specific types of seeds during the two phases of our cycle is really helpful in balancing our hormones. So this is really going to help us reduce PMS symptoms, right? Sure. It can help with fertility and all that stuff. But for me, my main reason for doing this was to like help me stop feeling like I wanted to die or murder around my period. So also seed cycling can be used at any stage of a woman's life, even after menopause, but it's really, really beneficial for women that are coming off of hormonal birth control or we're struggling with post birth control syndrome symptoms like acne, irregular periods, missing periods, or PMS. So how seed cycling ties into the cycle As we talked about, those first 14 days of our cycle is the follicular phase, and then the following 14 make up the luteal phase. So when our hormone levels are balanced, estrogen rises during the first half of our cycle, and then progesterone levels rise while estrogen levels slowly decline during the second half of our cycle. So 
Basically, what you need to understand is that an imbalance between estrogen and progesterone is what actually gives us our PMS symptoms, menstrual cramps, acne, irregular periods, all that stuff, even missing periods. So the idea of seed cycling is that on days 1 through 14 of your cycle, you are going to eat 1 to 2 tablespoons of ground flax seeds and 1 to 2 tablespoons of ground pumpkin seeds. So this days 1 through 14, when you're eating the flax seeds and the pumpkin seeds, this is during our inner winter and spring. That's when you're bleeding and then when you're coming off of your period right? I'm tying all of this knowledge together. So the seed cycling, days 1 through 14, you're eating the flax seeds and the pumpkin seeds. And then days 15 through 28 of your cycle, this is ovulation to menstruation. This is our inner summer and inner fall, which is what I'm in right now. So now on days 15 through 28, I'm having one to two tablespoons of sunflower seeds and one to two tablespoons of ground sesame seeds. It's really easy. I have it written on my refrigerator. You basically look up seed cycling. You'll find out what you need to do on each time. All I do is I buy all four kinds of seeds. They're really cheap, cheaper than any birth control I've had to get. Really cheap. The ones, the seeds that I'm using, I throw them in the refrigerator. The seeds that I'm not using, I throw them in the freezer because hot tip, I found out that seeds Um, go rancid really quickly. So definitely keep them in your refrigerator. It keeps them fresh for longer. And then when I switch over to the other kinds of seeds, I throw the ones I'm not using in the freezer and I throw the ones I'm using in the fridge. Now, if you don't have a 28 day menstrual cycle, you don't have to worry because most people don't. You can just adjust the length of time you consume each seed combination based on your own cycle length. So this is why it's just really important to track our, our cycle because then it makes it easy. Like for me, when I'm on my flow app right now, like I told you before, I'm on day 25 of my cycle. My literal app tells me this, have it on my fridge. I know that on day 25, I'm doing sunflower and sesame seeds. Okay. It sounds complicated. It's really not. So how, what I do, another thing that I learned is that you have to grind the seeds up because our bodies can't digest them well if you're eating whole seeds. So life hack, just get yourself. I already had a coffee grinder because we grind coffee here. Use, you use a coffee grinder, grind the seeds. And the best way for me, because you're like, how the fuck am I eating up all these ground seeds, Molly? What am I doing with these? You can put them in a little thing. You can sprinkle them on your food. But for me, if you're like me, if I don't just eat all these fucking seeds in one go, I'm not doing it. So I love oatmeal every morning and it helps me get into the habit of eating breakfast because truly there are some people that aren't breakfast people, but really I, everybody should eat breakfast. I feel like it's just like, it really, for me helps me keep my blood sugar going. And so I say, everybody, you don't have to eat breakfast, but this is the way I do it. Do what you want. I put it in oatmeal. I love my oatmeal with like quick oats. I do date syrup. I do raisins. I cut up a banana. I throw a tablespoon of almond butter in there, some cinnamon, and then I throw the seeds in and I mix it all up with oat milk. And that's how I do it. And it is so tasty. It's really good. If you eat the seeds by themselves, they're kind of bitter. You could throw them in a smoothie. Um, I also saw another girl. She said that she like put all her seeds and then like 
put some maple syrup in there with the seeds and like mixed it up and she kind of ate it like a snack like that. That also sounds pretty good. You could do it with yogurt and granola and do like an acai bowl kind of thing and sprinkle it on top. There's so many ways you can do it. But the idea is to be consistent. And for me, I'm not a fucking Gordon Ramsay chef in the morning. I'm just going to throw it in my oatmeal. It's easy. It's now part of my routine. And I've got it on my refrigerator written like literally days 1 through 14, flax pumpkin, days 15 through 28, sunflower sesame. Easy peasy. I'm also going to put a link to the show notes with this article that breaks it down for you too. So don't feel like you have to remember all this stuff. So maybe you're going like, how does seed cycling support hormone balance? I found this um, blog called Nourished by Nutrition, and I really, really liked her breakdown of how it actually helps. And also, I like to see proof in things, and I want to know how it's actually working. So I will go through this really quick. So this blog says, in truth, there's little scientific research that supports the direct relationship between seed cycling and improved hormonal balance in women. There just haven't been studies done on this practice, but that doesn't mean it doesn't work. And I'm doing a quick sidebar here because I think this is really important. There's no benefit. A lot of medical studies are done out there for profit or to like develop a medication. But think about it. There's nothing in it for anybody to do studies on seed cycling. It's not going to make anybody money. So don't forget like the massive financial aspect of some medical research, right? Ain't nobody out here giving a crap about making our periods easier with seeds and they're not going to put a bunch of funding in to do scientific research. But there is a reason why a bunch of holistic practitioners recommend this. And I'm starting to see the benefits already in my own life. And I'll talk to you about it after we go through this. So she goes on to say, it's important to keep an open mind with nutrition and natural healing practices since there are limitations in research and a lack of studies on specific topics. While studies don't directly link seed cycling to hormone balance, they do show clear correlations that specific nutritional components in flax, pumpkin, sesame, and sunflower seeds may play a role in supporting your natural hormone cycle. So, follicular phase. During the first phase of the menstrual cycle, pumpkin seeds and flax seeds help improve our estrogen levels while preventing excess estrogen. Flax seeds contain lingons, which bind to excess estrogen. Pumpkin seeds are high in zinc, which helps support progesterone production as you move towards the progesterone rise in the second phase of your cycle. And then she says, during the second phase of your cycle, the luteal phase, sesame seeds and sunflower seeds help boost progesterone production. Sesame seeds are a rich source of zinc, which help boost progesterone production and also contain lingons that help block excess estrogen while progesterone rises. Sunflower seeds are high vitamin E and selenium. Vitamin E can help boost progesterone production while selenium helps detox the liver of excess estrogen. So she gets super scientific here, which I really appreciate. So she just breaks down further the nutritional components and seeds, the ones that you're going to be ingesting. So flax seeds are considered phytoestrogens, which have a weak estrogen-like effect in the body. This naturally supports healthy estrogen production. Flax seeds are unique in that they also contain nutritional components called lingons, which can help bind extra, extra estrogen. Research shows that flax seeds help in lengthening the luteal phase, improving ovulation, and reducing common PMS symptoms such as breast pain and cramping. Sesame seeds also contain lingons, which block excess estrogen during the second phase of your menstrual cycle when progesterone rises, 
Research shows that sesame seeds are beneficial for postmenopausal women by improving blood lipids, antioxidants, and sex hormones. Pumpkin and sesame seeds both contain high levels of zinc, and this mineral helps to improve the formation of the corpus luteum in the uterus. The corpus luteum is responsible for producing progesterone and stimulates the uterus to thicken in preparation for potential implementation. Now, the the flax and pumpkin seeds are rich in omega-3 fatty acids, and omega-3s are amazing all around. I'm sure you've heard this, but they promote blood flow to the uterus, increase progesterone secretion, and help maintain healthy cell membranes. In addition, vitamin E has linked to reducing PMS symptoms. Research has also shown that vitamin E, omega-3s, and omega-6s found in pumpkin, sesame, sunflower, and flax seeds are essential for hormone production and follicle function. Selenium, which is found in the sunflower seeds, supports estrogen detoxification in the liver. This is what helps reduce extra estrogen during the luteal phase when estrogen declines and progesterone rises. So (laughs) if you wanted the proof, there it is. There's lots of science backing why this can really help support your hormonal function. The blog also reiterates how long it takes to see results because that's what we always want to know, right? Is how long until it works? She says seed cycling takes time to work with your body. It can take at least three months of daily use to start noticing the benefits. Also, I think it's important to just remember to, we said it before, but seed cycling isn't like the end all be all. Hormonal imbalances are quite often a result of other things like digestive issues, blood sugar imbalances, stress, a lack of dietary fat and protein, lack of sleep. Um, environmental toxins like your cleaning and skincare products and she says you can't expect seed cycling to give you the boost you need without prioritizing good sleep managing your stress eating well staying hydrated and limiting your exposure to hormone disrupting toxins i want to reiterate this how important this is and i'm sharing this with you another like big sister time so I've been doing seed cycling for almost a month, but what I've also done is I've gotten a big gallon water bottle on Amazon and I drink a gallon of lemon water a day without fail every single day now. I used to barely drink water and survived on coffee. I've cut out caffeine, yes, sob, and I'm trying to replace it with just decaf um, Earl Grey tea in the morning to give myself that. I also am battling what I knew I was creating in my life, which is massive blood sugar imbalances. I wouldn't eat at all throughout the day because I would just quite frankly forget because I'd be working like a workaholic and then I would binge a bunch of just like carbs and crap in the evening. Now I'm trying to add more protein and healthy fats, eat like multiple snacks and meals throughout the day, get good sleep. I'm doing skin cycling or skin cycling, fuck my life. I'm shedding my skin like a snake every day. I'm doing seed cycling. And then also what I did was I downloaded this app called Think Dirty and it killed me, folks. I just looked up all my skincare products and my household care items and I saw how many of them were really, really toxic. And what I love about the Think Dirty app, again, this is not a paid promotion. You can actually scan the barcode about on anything that you own And it lets you know um, between one and 10 or zero and 10 rather what the toxicity level and anything like above a five 
is probably a good idea to replace that. And I don't think that, I don't think anyone should just throw away everything they own. But what I did do is I went through every cleaning product and thing I put on my body, makeup, shampoo, everything. I scanned it all. I realized how much of that shit was like a level eight. And I was like, no wonder I am so out of whack. I'm not eating good enough meals. I'm putting all this toxic shit into my body. I'm not drinking enough water. I'm not tuning into my body's needs and doing menstrual cycle awareness, right? Like no wonder we feel like shit. And if you're hearing this and be like, oh, like, yeah, think about how you treat your body throughout the day. Can you make some of these changes? And it's just, it's made a huge difference in my life. Now, as I said, I've been doing seed cycling and all these changes for about a month now. I don't know. I still feel pretty like grouchy around PMS. So I'm going to do, I'll follow up with you all in about three months and tell you like how my journey with seed cycling is going. But already I can notice better energy levels. Now that I'm waking up first thing in the morning and having my seeds uh, with my, uh, with my oatmeal in the morning, first thing, having, um, a bunch of water throughout the day. I, my skin is so much better. I struggled with acne really badly, like out of nowhere, uh, about two years ago, never had a problem with acne, but then I got full blown acne. I ended up actually going on Accutane, which who knows, maybe if I would have done this before trying Accutane, I wouldn't have needed it. But after Accutane, the last few months, I realized my skin was starting to break out again. But now since I started seed cycling, I'm on PMS right now, have not had one zit and I will always break out a little bit before my period. So that's one thing, even though my moods are a little whacked, my breasts are still pretty tender, all that stuff, 100% not a zit to be found, which is really cool. My skin feels hydrated, bouncy. It feels, the, the texture feels really good. So that in itself is like a benefit. Energy levels, definitely up. I'm definitely sleeping better. So these are things I've noticed but I want to give it three more months and then I'll check back in with all of you to let you know how that's gone. I have been talking for so long. This is by far now my longest episode. It's going to break two hours. I could have broken this down into two episodes, but I just thought like, let's just put it all in one. Let's just give you all the goodies all in one go. And I hope this was helpful for you. I wish more than anything that I could have gotten this information all in one podcast like this. And so many of you requested this episode. I wanted to make sure that it was so thorough. I put everything into it that I possibly could. And ladies, I'm currently in my inner autumn now and I am feeling it. But after doing this episode, I am going to go and it's my weekend. So I'm not working today. I'm going to create a little blanket for it. I'm going to cuddle in. I'm going to take some quiet time. I'm going to relax, read my book, and respect my cycle. I did my seeds this morning, drinking my water. It's all we can do. And I've let my partner know that I am in inner autumn, and he's aware of it. It has made our life more peaceful, just that fact. Who knows, maybe three months down the line, I'm going to see a massive decrease in my PMS symptoms from this seed cycling and from doing this more consistently. But right now, I'm already feeling better by all the ways that I've shared with you. Just this awareness is power in itself. 
You can ride these waves, right? You are a powerful person. It is amazing what our bodies can do. So if anything, let this empower you. Go down your own rabbit hole. Click into the podcast description. You can read all of these things. I'll link to flow. I'll link to everything so that you've got all of those resources. Start by downloading the flow app. That's step one. Wait till your period starts. Track the period. Then go and add the inner seasons to your iPhone calendar and just start tuning into them and embracing them a bit more and prioritizing yourself when you're in your inner winter and your inner autumn and start actively not scheduling a bunch of shit for yourself on those days. If you can help it, start communicating to your friends and people that are, you live with that it's not personal. I just need more space now. It's going to start helping if you're really consistent with it. So with that, we're about to hit that two hour mark and I love every single one of you. If you want to hear more about any of the specific topics that I dived into, do what you do best. Like reach out to me, reach out to me however you you can, you know, go to backfromtheborderline.com. You can find my email, my Instagram, everything there. I obviously can't respond to every single outreach, but what I do is I do see it and I take it into account. So every bit of outreach really matters and I and I see it and hear you so thank you I love you so much have the most amazing week and until next time that's all all right you messy amazing emotional fabulous human beings doing this life thing that is it for today's episode I want to thank you so much for listening because out of all the millions, billions of podcasts in the world, you chose to listen to mine and that means a lot to me. And if you listen this far, I know you never want to miss a new episode. So to make sure that doesn't happen, click follow in your podcast player of choice and you will be alerted every time I drop a new one. To help me grow and help the podcast reach as many people as possible, go ahead and leave an honest rating and review. Not only that, I love to hear your feedback, so please share it with me. I read every single review, and you just might hear it read out loud on the podcast. To connect with me directly, follow me on social media and keep up with all the new updates. You can find that all at backfromtheborderline.com. And as always, any articles, resources, or other helpful information you've heard today can be found in the description of this podcast episode. So don't forget to check out the show notes. And until we meet again, remember, life is a circle, a cycle, a process, separation, initiation, return. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Back from the Borderline. If you'd like to receive my monthly written recovery musings via Substack directly to your inbox, send me a voicemail, join the Patreon community, or check out my Amazon booklist recommendations, visit backfromtheborderline.com and click to access my link tree.